Welcome back to another episode of the War Room Podcast. I am your host, Chris Mullen, here with Max Shostak, and our new guest, Tyler Catton, filling in for Connor McCombs. Once again, Connor is still MIA. We still haven't found him yet. No, that's a joke. We found him. We did find him. Tyler is willing to ask us similar questions. We switched from, uh, we're going from offense to defense. Right. And, before we and farther, so we switched from Connor to Tyler. The pick is always in. And we want to thank Sportsway Official for sponsoring this, this podcast, being our, our umbrella, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Because they've been doing a great job for us so far. <laughs> now, Tyler, introduce yourself a little bit more. Uh, what's up, guys? I'm Tyler. I, uh, I'm a Patriots fan, which is like, I don't know, that could be deterring for some of you viewers, but it is what it is. Should be deterring. Shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's pretty much it. I played high, uh, football in high school, so that's kind of my background in football. So Love that. So if you tuned in uh, two episodes ago... Uh, we did, Chris and I did our offensive big board breakdowns. And so today we're going to be going over our defensive big boards, which consists, consists of edge rushers, interior defensive linemen, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties in that order. And Chris and I are going to each individually be reading off which players at that, those positions we have in our top 100 going over. And then Tyler's going to ask us a couple questions. So Chris, why don't you take it away? Hit me with your edge rushers in your top right. 100. So How my, many do you my have? Top, my number one edge rusher. Oh, my, how many do I have? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a lot. Enjoy counting. Yeah, this is like wide receivers. Yeah. 16. Wow. I have 15. Okay. So, that's, I mean, it's, a, it's one of the better classes we've seen on edge rushers. Very deep class. Very, very deep class. Um, so, I'll start with my edge rushers. <clears throat> number one. Top, top edge rusher, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge out of Oregon, in my number two spot on my yep. overall big board. Aiden Hutchinson, edge two, ranked number three on my overall big board. David Ojabo, another Michigan guy, ranked number 11 on my overall big board, number three on my edge big board. Number four, Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher out of Florida State, ranked number 16. George Karloftis, edge five at 18. Trayvon Walker, Edge six at twenty two, Boy Mafe, edge seven, at thirty four, Arnold Ebikite, edge, what am I at eight, yeah, edge eight at thirty five, Majai Sanders, edge nine at forty seven, Logan Hall, edge, well he's actually more of an interior defensive lineman. We'll we'll, we'll consider and we'll we'll come back to Cameron Thomas and yeah. Logan Hall. So those two are gonna be skipped. Um, next up is at sixty is Kingsley and Igbare. 69, Drake Jackson at a USC. Nice. 72, Sam William at Ole Miss. 74 is Josh Pascal, edge of Kentucky. And 80 is Nick Benito, edge out of Oklahoma. So our lists are very, very similar. Once again, what's, Once what's again, new? our first seven is identical. Um, Boy Mafia at seven. Yeah, I, I have, like I have uh, Kayvon Thibodeau as my edge one at number two overall. Aiden Hutchinson at edge two, number three overall. Uh, David Ojabo at edge three, number 14 overall. Jermaine Johnson at edge four, 15 overall. George Karloftis at edge five, 22 overall. Trayvon Walker, edge six, 23 overall. Boye Mafe, edge seven, 32 overall. Um, Maije Sanders, edge eight, 42 overall. Uh, Drake Jackson, ed- edge nine at 44. Edge 10 is Kingsley and Agbare. Go Cox at 47. Arnold Ebikite's edge 11 at 55. Nick Benito, edge 12 at 95. 
and then Josh Pascal, edge 12 at 96. So we have 12. Yeah, edge, well, I have 12 because right, we, we, we skipped. Yeah. Cam Thomas and Logan Hall. So we'll do you want to dive into that them. right now and just dive into those two guys real quick? Well, we'll yeah, so we'll talk about them. Um, they are kind of listed as edges because they really played the end in college. Cameron Thomas kind of switched back and forth, but they're two enormous players. Cam Thomas is almost 280. Six foot five. Yeah. Um, 270. And he's a great run defender, so I think as he, he is better suited to play on the interior. And Logan Hall is also almost 280. He's an inch taller. Uh, 6'6", 275. An amazing run defender. And I just think those two guys project better as interior defensive linemen that can pop out and play uh, your conventional DNs. They'll be like three-tech monsters. Exactly. A guy that can go to DN to interior if you're running 4-3. Um, I just don't think they are your edge rushers like a Trayvon Walker, Boye Mafe, Jermaine Johnson, those speed guys that will come off and kill your quarterback. Uh, but they're certainly productive players, and we'll get back to them uh, when we hit our interior rankings. I agree. So um, come with the questions first. You haven't so my first question is both of y'all had Thibodeau above Hutchinson. Uh, what, what do y'all think his skill set makes him set, like sets him above Hutchinson? Like what so, is his skill set? <clears throat> personally, I'm not a big fan of guys, and this goes for any, any group of players. I am not overly sold on guys who play for a certain period of time, like play for like two years, and they're not their average. And then the other year is, um, then they then they're insane. Yeah. Like I don't trust that. Like like with um with Kenny Pickett. Like I've already explained my distrust and what Kenny Pickett can really be because I don't trust. Like he was an awful quarterback before this year. We have to remember that. He so was, was Joe Burrow. Ex- right. That's the exception to the rule. Like the, the some things are exceptions to the rule. Yeah, you just it's a I matter of picking is and one choosing. of them. However, Kayvon Thibodeau has been that guy since high school. Yeah, like he's faster in my opinion. He has more bend. He's faster. I think Hutch is a better run defender for sure, but I think Kayvon's a better pass rusher. Uh huh. So I think, and also I think Kayvon's a higher ceiling. Yeah. I think just what he offers and what like, we let's say that Oregon like we had the same argument for um Joe uh, Justin Herbert when like oh he like he didn't get his full. His full, everything put out at Oregon because they kind of held him back in the offense they ran. Yeah, I think they did. similarly, Kayvon hasn't been able to show everything he is because of the defense he runs. So I also have Thibodeau over Hutchinson. Mine's kind of way more simplified in the sense that I think Hutchinson right now, if I was to take one player's skill set and it would never change for the rest of their career, I would draft Hutchinson. But the way that Thibodeau projects to improve over the course of his career as the better athlete with a higher ceiling. That's why I have him higher. And it's only one spot. But I think Hutchinson's smarter right now, and maybe he has the better technique, but I think Thibodeau will be able to develop. And it's the classic ceiling versus floor argument. And I'll take Thibodeau one spot over Hutchinson. But they're two excellent, excellent edge rushers. Okay, and I see, Max, that on your draft board you have Thibodeau as two and Hutchinson three, and I'm Chris, I presume yours is the same. Why do you think the Jaguars are going to surpass one of these elite guys and like not take them at the first overall well, pick? Well, A, I think the tackles might – I think they're very equal to the eliteness of the, the edge rushers, but also B, you're not – you just drafted Trevor Lawrence number yeah. one overall last year. We had a piss-poor season this year. Like, get him help. Like it's simple, like yeah, edge mm-hmm. rusher could be cool, but you also have a good edge already, and like in like I'm saying, like 
the the essence of need. This is the one draft where it's not like this one generational talent. It's really just there's a couple BPAs you can draft number one overall. Yeah. And you really can't trade out of it because there's no quarterback you want to trade for. So what did you draft last year? You drafted a quarterback who needs help, who's off and whose offense was awful, whose line was awful. So get him help. And I think especially with Travis Etienne coming back, the run game is going to take another step. So I think you give your future investments some help that can impact them directly. Uh, and you can the edge class is so deep where it, where I think you can get a guy like a Kingsley Anagbare, Drake Jackson, Maje Sanders uh, in the second round, but you're not going to be able to get uh, an Evan Neal or Ikimakwanu, whichever direction they decide to go in round two. Right, and like y'all were saying, this this class has a lot of depth in this position. So, like, who later in your in your board would you say might be a sleeper pick that would perform way better than we think in the NFL? Uh, I'll go. I have two guys right off the bat, and one of the guys I have him high, but I don't know if the NFL has him the same way. And I know Chris and I feel the same way about this guy, and it's Boye Mafe from Minnesota. Yeah, where I have him at thirty two, which is technically a first round talent. Um, and I don't think he's going to go on that first round, but if he falls to around the 50s, somebody's going to get a steal. He's a freak athlete, plays positionless football. And then Arnold Ebikite out of Penn State, who's another athlete, and people are saying he could rise into day one. If the draft was tomorrow, I don't think it would, or that would happen, but I think he'll have an excellent showing at the Combine, so I think he'll prove to be a big-time riser. Yeah, I, I will also agree with Boy Mafe. I think he is like he's incredibly good. He 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 will test well. He has great tape. Um, I think he's a very underrated guy. I think he should be a first round pick, but I don't think he will be. And my other guy, I'm gonna go all the way down to Sam Williams as an Ole Miss. I know he has personal problems. I know he has some history behind him, but he had 11 sacks this year. He had a phenomenal year. He, he is a prime size for edge rusher at six foot three, two sixty eight. Like. I think if you can get him in the right situation where the off the field stuff is, isn't as like, like exemplified like in a big city team like a, a New York or a Miami, and put him in a spot where he can really work on his craft and not worry about the off field stuff, I think he'd be a very good edge rusher for you. I definitely agree, one hundred percent there. Um, when we've seen that with Ole Miss players before, with, yeah, we've uh, seen Robert Kambichi this year, yeah, not so, as much, but yeah. So. Moving on to interior D linemen, which normally is a thin class when it comes to draft. Um, but this class is really, really good for what interior defensive line normally offers. One of offers. the best we've seen. So I have six guys in my top 100. Um, Are all... we including Logan Hall and Cameron Thomas? Okay. Eight guys in my top 100. I have eight as well. So we'll, we'll – uh, and I, I think this is actually pretty – consensus if you're not considering cam thomas and logan hall it's six and it's usually eight with the two of them added um so i have at interior d line number one as demarvin leal out of texas a&m at 25 overall then uh travis jones so we're not including cameron thomas or logan we are, hall we okay are. okay so travis jones is my ideal two at 28 then i have um cameron thomas at IDL 3, 33rd overall. Uh, Jordan Davis at IDL 4, 35 overall. Um, then I have Logan Hall, IDL 5, 37 overall. Um, and then I have Devontae Wyatt, IDL 6 at 41 overall. Perrion Winfrey out of Oklahoma, IDL 7 at 56 overall. And then 
Fidarian Mathis out of Alabama, ideal eight at 76 overall. Okay, so my first edge rusher is DeMarvin Leal, 21. Yeah, or I, IDL, not Yeah, IDL. Sure. DeMarvin Leal, ranked number one, but in the big board is 21. Jordan Davis is my, my IDL, two at 28. Devontae Wyatt is my IDL, three at 38. Now this is where I have to check myself. Um, nope, not yet. Um, then I have Devon, then I have Perrion Winfrey, IDL four. Um, at rank forty. Then I have Logan Hall, IDL, Cameron Thomas, IDL, then Travis Jones at fifty six, then Fidari Mathis fifty eight. So I think the main difference between ours is Travis Jones. Where I have him higher at where where'd you have him? I have him at fifty six. Okay, so I have him at twenty eight. Um, I just think he's incredibly explosive and is such a winner off the ball. But I also think he's got work to do, and I'm projecting out his ceiling as somebody that's going to explode in the NFL, which is why I have him at 28. But overall, I think the IDL class is really, really good, and maybe we won't see that many guys go in the first round. And I think there's a strong possibility that Jordan Davis is the only guy that goes in the first round. But... When it comes to that day two, you're going to see these guys flying off the board. So, <laughs> so I noticed that uh, Chris and Max, you guys have Jordan Davis obviously switched. So, like, Jordan Davis has obviously been a big part of the news with his just sheer size and just ferocity on the field. Um, what are the main flaws that you see in Jordan Davis? I think there's one huge flaw. He and can't stay on the field. Exactly. Not because of injury. It's can't. not really in his game. There's a flaw. He's... Very, 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 good, very player. good player. But Jordan Davis just is so big. And there's a lot of big players in the NFL, like Michael Pierce, Minnesota. Yeah. But he, Jordan Davis, can't really figure out a way to stay consistently on the field. He's like almost a part-time player. And I think if you go to like wide receiver, and if you're going to pick a wide receiver that can only play like 60% of the time, you're not going to pick him. Right. So. I don't know if I personally would spend a first-round pick on Jordan Davis, but I think somebody will. And I think that's kind of the main flaw with him because he can't do what he does best on a consistent basis. Right, and I think the the redeeming factor is that NFL, you can't see my hand movements, but NFL um, conditioning and strength coaches and their program, are so, are, I think, are far and supreme compared to yeah, college is college. If you're dominant, you're dominant. NFL wants longevity, mm-hmm. so I think if Jordan Davis can get in the right program. I think that an NFL team maybe to scale him down a little bit, maybe get him in some more conditioning, and hey, maybe he's a four down player. At this current point in time, he's not a four down player. He's not a full drive player. Yeah, he can't stay on the field not because of injury, because he's too tired. Um, that's my one thing with him because outside of that, he's a monstrosity of a player. So if somebody came to me in five years and was like, "Hey, your Jordan Davis ranking was totally wrong. He was a top five player in the class," and that take and if that take came back and bit me in the ass, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Right. I just right now heading into the point that we are right now, Jordan Davis is not a first round talent in my. He's a first round talent, not a first round player in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So going off Chris's point of. Uh, the conditioning in the NFL. Would you say that, like, to scouts, knowing that they can get guys into condition, would you say size is more important than athleticism at this point? I think interior? he is both, though. Like, when he's on the field, he's an athletic beast. But I think when he's size, off, he's like, size and athleticism, if you can have them both, that makes 
that makes a prospect very good. And we'll get to that with who's both of our top linebacker. Um, but people like to downplay when a prospect has both size and athleticism. And I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to a prospect is the unteachables. And Jordan Davis is a very, very good uh, pressure guy, and he's got amazing size. So I think, I think it, somebody's absolutely going to take a chance on him. I think a comparison is um, you have uh, <clears throat> Mackay Becton yeah. and the New York Jets. When he was drafted, he was very large but extremely athletic. Athletic Ran a 540 time, was bulldozing guys, ran up the field fine. Now you have our boy Daniel Falale out of Minnesota this year. Equally or larger, way but larger, not nearly as athletic. He's yeah. getting bulldozed by guys like so much smaller than him. Was not fast, like can can barely run, can't bend his knees. You need to find that balance. What's too big and what's and what's too small, and what's too athletic but not big enough. Uh-huh. That's the that's the goal. Of the NFL is to find that median, the the special athlete, if you will. Yeah. I think Jordan Davis, once he finds his playing weight, will, will be, be good. Disgusting. It's just. Can he find the playing weight? Right. That's a good a team has to yeah. bet on their coaching staff for, exactly. for Jordan Davis. Exactly. So knowing this, that uh you know some teams like how some teams run like a, a three five kind of defense. Yeah. Can you think of any teams that would prefer a nose tackle over like say a like a just a regular like defensive tackle? Um, I think if you're looking for a nose tackle, I think the Chargers, which is something yeah. that has been brought up so many times when uh, people talk about Jordan Davis and Raiders, landing spots. Chargers and Raiders. Yeah, we're two teams that need to uh, improve from a run defense standpoint, and a nose tackle can really, really help that. And I also think and maybe Dallas. you look at Cleveland, a team that could use uh, some run help because teams were beating them with their legs all day last year. So. If they lose Clowney, especially, I think Jordan Davis could be in play there. And him with Miles Garrett would be really scary. And sometimes you kind of alter your defense to fit a guy that's, that could be that good. Like exactly. Sometimes you got, you say, okay, he's that good, he's that big, I'll just put him in there and he'll wreck someone. Like, yeah. Sometimes you just got to put a guy in there. If you, run, if you don't run any defense with a nose tackle and you draft Jordan Davis, you can run defense with a nose tackle. Like It's not going to kill you to switch up the scheme every it's once in like a while. It's not like changing a quarterback's... Yeah, it's not like what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson right. happens every day. Like, that was a full commitment, which was eye-opening. But yeah. you don't have to do that on defense. You just got to implement a package a certain amount of times. Um, so we'll head over to linebacker, and we already alluded to our top guy, who is a freak combination of size and athleticism. Uh, Chris, you want to kick us off? I have 10 linebackers. My 10 linebackers? I love this class. I have... 11. Damn it. Gotcha. Okay, so Devin Lloyd, my linebacker, won at 8 overall. Yeah. N'Kobe Dean, my linebacker, 2 at 13 overall. Christian Harris, my linebacker, 3 at 33 overall. Chad Muma, linebacker, 4 at 41 overall. Darian Beavers, linebacker, 5 at 57 overall. Quay Walker, linebacker, 6, 77 overall. Damani Clark, linebacker, 8, 79 overall. Channing Tindall, linebacker 9. Oh, I do have 11 linebackers. <laughs> linebacker 9 at 87 overall. JoJo Doman, linebacker 10 at 80 overall. And then Brandon Smith, linebacker 11. So there's at one guy. There's one guy I'm going to bring up after I'm done reading. And I, I think, know who it is. Well, I know. You know because you don't have him on the list and you know I'm high on him. Yeah. But I wish I had him on my list. I couldn't fit him in. From the top, 
Devin Lloyd, LB1 at 10. Nicobe Dean is LB2 at 12. Christian Harris, LB3 at 48. Jeez. Chad Muma, LB4 at 50. Jesse Lucada, LB5 wow. at 62. Darian Beavers, LB6 at 63. Quay Walker, LB7 at 65. Channing Tindall, LB8 at 69. Damani Clark, um, linebacker 8, I think. Linebacker 9 at 72. Jojo Doman, linebacker 10 at 84. And Leo Chanel, linebacker 11 at 92. So we do have some differences, and Brandon Smith is a guy that I know I wish I could have in here. He was, There's just so many good linebackers. There are, and them all in. Brandon Smith was my 102 because I got to 110, had to cut guys yeah, off. Yeah, kind of was my like 103. Yeah, exactly. And same thing with it's all Penn State guys because I had to take Rasheed Walker off. He was my 101. Um, but I just think this linebacker class is so good, and I think what's crazy is there's three guys that went to the same school. On in each of our top 70s, which is wild. Yeah, so um, Devin Lloyd, obviously, clearly face value just looks like the best, the best player. He's 6'3", 235. I mean, he can take on blocks. He can, cover, he can cover crossing routes. He can blitz. He can do everything. So, like, can you guys elaborate on why he'd be such a good pick for the right team? I think he can go as high as three. And I've talked to Max about this off the podcast. I want to I want to explain myself when I say Devin Lloyd can go number three overall to the Houston Texans. Lovey Smith has said that he's not hiring a defensive coordinator. It's just him calling the defense, calling the shots. Like I don't think he's even look at the offense while he's a coach, which is wild. Um, he's like he's just handling defense. He's basically the defensive coordinator who gets the final say on draft picks, which means something. Um, Lovey Smith, in all of his successful seasons, has had a top grade linebacker, has a top tier linebacker, the guy that he wanted is his linebacker. What's to say that a six foot four former receiver who can read the field extremely well can sac- can can blitz the quarterback who has great hands, great vision, could could Lovey Smith not fall in love with this guy and draft him at three? Because realistically, you can't really trade back out of three because Jets at four take and, the guy they don't pick, and nobody's going to trade. Giants up. at five take the guy Jets don't pick. Like that's the way it falls. Mm-hmm. So while I do think it won't be Devin Lloyd, that's how good Devin Lloyd is, where he can influence a guy like Lovey Smith to say, "F it, I want my guy here at three. And it just takes Devin Lloyd. Yeah. So, I mean, at three, I think I, there's a similar player to Devin Lloyd, just plays a different position. Right, which is why I agree. I don't more think proven, and we'll get to him, because we'll both probably, we could both talk about him for an hour individually. Um, but Devin Lloyd, I think, is just so, oh, wow, that's awesome. Chris is showing me that Arch Manning eliminated Clemson from his recruitment, which makes me feel real nice that... <laughs> Clem sucks, a.k.a. Pickens A&M isn't landing a good quarterback because we don't like Clemson here on the War Room Podcast. Anyways, Devin Lloyd is such a freak athlete, and I think sometimes he's – and he's not rated – obviously, we're talking so high of him, and you're like, maybe why why isn't he in top five? But I think Devin Lloyd, sometimes he gets caught up technically where there will be – read option in the backfield or play action. He bites a little too hard, gets greedy. Sometimes he tries to go for the big tackle instead of containing, but I think that's all teachable stuff. Whereas you look at the guy we have below him, Nicobe Dean, is maybe a more disciplined player, but the ceilings just don't compare because of Devin Lloyd's ball skills and Devin Lloyd's size. So while Nicobe Dean has the speed, not necessarily the ball skills, like I'm convinced Devin Lloyd could play safety if he was taught. But Nicobe yeah. Dean's just, you, you got the limited size, and 
I just think Devin Lloyd projects higher also, to like, be a special player. You can't expect Devin Lloyd to be so technically sound because he just started playing the position. Like he was recruited out of high school as a wide receiver. Yeah, and it shows. Utah, and it shows, which makes me like him even more. Exactly, it's like when athletic. guys play ba- guys when guys play basketball. That's so nice. A little to- off, a little off the the beaten path. The quarterbacks, like everyone, a quarterback who can dunk is an athletic quarterback. Yeah. Baker Mayfield can't dunk. He got rim stuffed. <laughs> I just had to say it. Trevor Penning can do a windmill dunk, by the way. Can you really? Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, going off athleticism and height, obviously, because you need height to dunk. The Kobe Dean is not very tall when you look at like ideal linebackers. He's six foot tall, two twenty five, which is a solid build. But like, why is that? Why would that be such a deterrent to NFL scouts? Well, here's my issue. I don't think his height as bad as his arm length. His yeah. arms are short. Like a six foot linebacker is is not abnormal in the NFL, but his arms are like he's like he got a little, little like T Rex arms. <laughs> <laughs> like like six foot's fine. Okay, that's a good arm. That's a good height. It's okay for a linebacker. It's not like world breaking, but it's like there are six foot linebackers at sixteen in the NFL. But if you have small arms and you're short, usually when you're short, you can't. You're 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 trying to extend farther into the into the reach. So if you have a longer arm, you can still get to those plays. He's shorter, and he has short arms. I'm not sure he can get to those plays where he needs to. That's my issue with the – not the height, but the arm length. So my issue is both slightly the height and the arm length because I think if you're 6'4", like you have Devin Lloyd standing in the middle of the defense and somebody's going to run a slant, quarterback's less inclined to throw over a 6'4 player than a 6'0 player, um, which I think makes Devin Lloyd have a bigger presence on defense. And N'Kobe Dean, you mentioned the short arms, and I think he makes up for it with his unbelievable range. But Devin Lloyd has but that the too. A different breed. Oh, NFL's it is. It is. Breed. But Devin Lloyd has the range too. He has the speed too, which is why he's absolutely higher than Nicobe exactly. Dean in my mind. But I still think Nicobe Dean's a very special talent. He's just he's got to make it work because he's going to be constantly tested. And I wouldn't be surprised if teams try to pick on him early in his career. Yeah, for sure. All right, last question for you guys on this linebacker class. You said that this linebacker class is like so good that you can't rank them. Clearly, y'all have some differences on like as you go down the list. What guy do you think, if he was in the right the right system, might be a star player? Like, might be one of the top linebackers in the NFL. I have two, but I want you to go first because I know you're going to say a guy that well, would be first, my third. Well, first, I'm going to Dean. Okay, as my one of my guys, but I think I want to go down the list a little farther and go with Chad Muma. Thank God you said that because he would be my third guy here. Yeah, no. So Nicobe Dean, if he's found the right system, they can really use his leadership and his his. his right, you said he can get to balls. He's very smart, and they can utilize him well and not and put him in the box sometimes and kind of move him around as a chess piece. He's like he's probably an all pro. Yeah, like he's that talented. It's like Leighton Vanderush, but right. without without falling off because of injuries. Chad Muma is a hawk. Like, dude, just gets to the ball. Every play we watch Senior Bowl, he's at the ball every time. Whether he's making the tackle, or he's right right at the tackle, he's always at the ball. If a team can find him in a position to watch the quarterback or watch the ball, not always in coverage, and have him as a blitzer or have him as a run stuffer, Chad Muma can be a great linebacker. I, so my two guys, and I love Chad Muma, and I think he's extremely underrated, but he'll get his love come draft time. Jesse Lucada, who is kind of a hybrid guy. He'll play edge rusher. He ran over Daniel Falele at the Senior Bowl. Then he'll pop back to linebacker. He's got great size, great speed. Love Jesse Lucada, and I think he'll continue to rise. And another guy is Jojo Doman, who might not have the best presence up front when you think of a linebacker. 
Um, but he he's kind of the difference in uh, people often refer to D line and linebackers as the front seven. If you have JoJo Doman, it's almost like the back, the back guys, where JoJo Doman covers like nobody's business. And I think that makes him a very, very special player. Um, and he's not going to be rated as high because he's got the size limitations. He's not the fastest guy, but his coverage instincts are so good. So I think with the right team, he could be incredible. Maybe a guy that fits well in the AFC West where you have to cover the likes of Noah Fant, Travis Kelsey, and Darren Waller. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes there, and I think he'll succeed with the right team. Yeah. Uh, so we'll head to our second to last position, which is cornerback. I have two top 10 players here. Um, but Chris, I want to hear your rankings right now, right now. Give them, I'm counting. Give them to me. Hurry up and count. <laughs> I have 13 corners in my top. Wow. I think you have a similar number. I have a very similar number. It's 13. Yeah. So, okay. So I have Ma Garner at corner one at 10. Love that. I have Derek Stanley corner two at 12. Andrew Booth. I think, by the way, just to pause you, I think that's where they go in the draft. 10 and 12? Yeah. So you'd think Omar goes to the Jets at 10? Yeah. Maybe, but that's not how the Jets build, personally. I mean, as a Jets fan, I know, I know. they kind of take players. Yeah, no, That'd I That'd be very out of the blue. I mean, I would not be mad at the slightest. I love Omar Gardner. I wouldn't be surprised if they do something out of the blue. It though, would just be a very, like, non-Robert Sala pick because he's not, he doesn't really care for corners that much. Uh-huh. And it would not be a very Joe Douglas pick because he's very big on developing the quarterback developing the interior kind of thing. I, I wouldn't I would not mind it. Yeah. I'm just we'd be surprised. Um Stanley at twelve, Andrew Booth Jr. at twenty, Trent McDuffie at twenty seven, Roger McCreary at thirty two. So I have five first round graded quarter corners. Mm-hmm. Kyler Gordon at forty five. Kobe Bryant at sixty three. Kyer Elam at sixty six. Tariq Woolen at seventy one. Marcus Jones at eighty three. Martin Emerson at eighty nine. Mario Goodrich at 91, and Alante Taylor at 98. Did you accidentally... Where's Darion Kendrick? You know where he is. Is he not on your list? No. See, that is too much for me. I don't like Darion I, I know you don't like him, and I'm not as high on him as I've seen some people have him, but I think outside of the top 100, for this guy's potential... What potential? He has short arms. He's 5'11". I don't care. He knows how to play cornerback. I don't like him. All right. Well, you'll hear where I have him. <laughs> so I have six guys, first-round talents. Uh, Ahmad Gardner, eighth. Derek Stingley, ninth. Andrew Booth, 17th. Trent McDuffie at 24. Roger McCreary at 27. And Kyler Gordon at 29. Interesting. So then when we go from 50 to 75 overall, I have four. I have Darion Kendrick at 53. Kyer Elam at 68, Kobe Bryant at 70, and Martin Emerson at 75. And then rounding out the top 100, Marcus Jones at 82, Alante Taylor at 93, and Tariq Woolen at 97. Okay. Which, reading, I feel like I disrespected Tariq, Tariq Woolen. But too much. it is what it is. These guys are also so hard to rank. Because yeah. in my mind, I, I almost can't put him over Alante Taylor, and I certainly can't put him over Marcus Jones. Marcus Jones is really good. He has insane ball um, skills. So I just want to say that Kyler Gordon is on the freak list. Absolutely on and the freak list. he is a freak. 
at six foot two hundred even, he plays it. He's six foot three, two ten. He's fast as hell. Like he is going to if in the found in the right system, he Kyler teleports. Gordon could be the best quarter in the draft. He teleports. It's not. It's like the play Malcolm Butler had, where he just teleported in front of Ricardo Locke and made an interception. Kyler Gordon does that on a game to game basis, which is unreal. Um, and the fact that him and Trent McDuffie were in the same secondary and they managed to lose to Montana is hilarious to me. Um, but yeah, I think Ahmad Gardner is definitely number one in my mind. Absolutely. Um, and we've been on Sting- this train. Stingley's not far back. We've been on this train. Yes, we've been on this since train like since the beginning of time. Like um, but Stingley's not far back. It's just the injuries for me and the fact that he hasn't had that real season since also, his like, freshman not year. Not to pull the love of the game card on the guy, but like, He's not been like he. She doesn't look like he tries that. Like in some of the games, it kind of looks like he's like kind of falls off the routes a little bit. Doesn't like in not in full sprint. Like it could be injuries, right? Yeah. I also think that we've also like we've heard that there might be concerns regarding how much he wants it and how much like his love of the game really is. I think I I never personally like to question right, that. Which is why I was like I don't yeah. do this, but it was just something out there. But Stingley for me, I think it's tough when you finish your freshman season and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, when we get to 2022, he's the first overall pick." Right. Like it's hard to play two more seasons like that. No. So his grandfather played college um, ball as well. I think he was in NFL when this happened. He got such a bad injury, he died. So I think it was a head injury, paralyzed him from wow. the neck down, his grandfather. See, I wouldn't be able to play football. I don't know how I would be able to play either. And he watched, he was five when it happened. So he was like with them throughout the whole paralyzation. And he died because of his par- some illness that came with the paralyzation. See, I feel like if he's playing right now, he's playing for him. Right. But I don't know. I think Stingley with injuries and the fact that his freshman season was his last elite season scares me a little bit. It's like if 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 K, it was like it's like Kayvon Thibodeau if Kayvon Thibodeau did not stop producing. Yeah. That's what I can compare it to. Mm-hmm. So knowing all these concerns that you guys have with Stingley and knowing quarterbacks can be a very hit or miss position, Jeff Okuda at Ohio State for example, he wanted like, it there so badly. Like before the pockets, I'm I'm slandering he, Jeff Okuda. He was such a miss. Uh, is it a gamble to like to bet on a guy like like Stingley? I think not in the t- out of the top ten. It's not like I like, think Okuda once you get great. outside the top ten, you have to pinch yourself and say, "All right." But he was so good, right. and still is so good when he flashes his best. Right. So like we cite all these concerns, but I have him at ninth because he's an amazing talent. Um, I think it's slightly a gamble and always will be with guys like that. And I think it's less of a gamble than a guy maybe like Andrew Booth. But Stingley's talent does is way better than Andrew Booth's at the surface. Right. No, I agree. I think like Okuda, for example, is picked number three overall. Like, at that point, you cannot gamble at three. No. Um, if Stingley goes third, it's not a good pick. Even if it works out, it's, no, I just a, it's a reach. Right. I think once you're out of the top 10, you can start betting on trades and previous performance and yeah. seeing Singley at 12. If you're sitting there at 12, like, yeah, I think I would draft Singley at 12. Uh-huh. But personally, I'm, I'm more a team of Mont Gardner. So, Max, I'm sitting next to you, so I'm seeing your draft board. And you have both the Cincinnati corners on your list. And I get people hating on Cincinnati for making it to the, the college football playoff and all that. But, like, this should show something, that you have both of their corners in the top 100. Mm-hmm. And... 
uh, like knowing Ahmad Gardner's size at six foot three, like is that really appealing for a corner? Especially since you don't usually see them that tall. I think it's I think it's super appealing, and I think your Pats did it first when they drafted Joan Williams out of Vanderbilt. I think way higher than anybody would have thought because he was six foot four, and right. people were like, "Whoa!" And Ahmad Gardner, I think it's intimidating when a cornerback one can get onto the line with an elite receiver and he goes down into his position and he's like, yo, what's up? Shut down I'm the same J-Mo. height as you. And yeah, so he shuts down Jamison Williams. Uh, he plays sticky man coverage. He's good when it counts. Amazing when the ball's in the red zone. I think he allowed one or zero touchdowns in man coverage over the course of his college career, which zero. is insane. He allowed zero touchdowns. That's wild. At all. None. That's zero. Um, Big goose egg. And <laughs> what's crazier to me is the fact that he didn't win the Jim Thorpe Award for best cornerback in the country. His teammate, Kobe Bryant, did, which is amazing. Um, I thought Ahmad Gardner should have won it, but whatever. Um, but Kobe Bryant is also an amazing talent, and I know he, I have him at 70. But it just shows how good that Cincinnati team was because you had to go against Ahmad Gardner and Kobe Bryant, and all you could really do was run the ball, which Alabama did and kicked their ass doing. But... I think yeah. that's such a statement to Luke Fickle staff and that a group of five team can put together a really good team because I think they have like seven combine invites or eight combine invites, which is very impressive. I think also the speed of Ahmad Gardner and the fact that he's six foot three and can play sticky, like usually six foot three guys play zone and they can hawk the ball. Ahmad Gardner stayed on one of the shiftiest guys in our draft, which is Jamison Williams. Like that is unreal in itself. Yeah. And Jamin was on a tear. Like it's hard to, to compare how good that kind of play was. It was very, very, very impressive. Um, so last position we'll hit here is safety, which is where Chris and I have our favorite prospect. Um, I have six safeties in my top 100. I have four. Four, wow. Um, so why don't you go first, you with four, and then I'll give you my six. So I have Kyle Hamilton at one. Yep. And at one, like one both ways. Um, I have Jaquan Brisker at 37. Wow, that's so similar. Daxon Hill at 44. And Lewis Cena at 53. Okay. So I have one guy in my top 60 that you don't have, and then one guy in my top 80, 85 that you don't have. Um, so my number one, player one, safety one, talent one, and eye test one is Kyle Hamilton. And that's not going to change. Kyle Hamilton's my number one player in this draft class, point blank period. Jaquan Brisker's my second safety at 38. Daxton Hill's my third safety at 46. Uh, Jalen Petre out of Baylor is my fourth safety at 58. Louis Cine is my fifth safety at 67. And Verone McKinley is my sixth safety out of Oregon at 85. And I think this is a good top two in the safety class, and then I think the next four you can poke holes in where Daxon Hill maybe isn't the most healthy. Jalen Petre offers the positionless brand of football. But I wish I had Petre in my top 100 thinking back on yeah. it. I really wish I do. I think Jalen Petre is like Boye Mafe, but to a lesser extent where you can put him anywhere. But at times that's a gamble because he hasn't shown that he's super strong at safety. He's just very versatile. Luis Cines, you saw it in the national championship, uh, very productive safety, but there's coverage questions. And then... Verone McKinley is good at safety, but never really flashed 
excellence, which is why he's at 85. Which is me. why I couldn't put him in my top 100 because yeah. I need to see an excellent flash mm-hmm. to be in my top 100. Yeah. Um, you have any questions? Um, so, yeah, Max, when we were watching that national championship, we kept hearing one name, and that was Luis Cine. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking at you, and I was like, wow, this dude's new and, like, different. And, like, do you think that his performance in the national championship really helped his stock? I think absolutely because when Georgia plays, like – I don't know, Georgia Tech during rivalry week, and Luis Cine has an amazing game. When people watch that game, it's on all 22, and you kind of see it, and you take each play with a grain of salt on tape. But when you're watching a guy in the national championship, like, yeah, it's not supposed to change the way you scout on a game-to-game basis, but it almost does for me because that's the biggest stage and when you're drafting a player, you're like, all right, does he have big game experience? And Luis Cine's got all of that, and he's got big, successful big game experience. And I think him showing up in Alabama and anybody watching that game able to feel his impact through the TV on the screen is such a uh, like persuasive effort by Luis Cine to get him higher on draft boards. And I think that national championship is a lot of the reason that I have him in my top 70. Yeah, I mean, for almost every play he flashed on, it was like, wow, this dude's like a hard hitter. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. He's a hard hitter. He's a hard hitting motherfucker right there. Like, yeah. I, there's no other way to put it without like saying it like that. Like, this dude is like an old fashioned safety. Yeah, and he never he does get beat over the top every once in a while, which is the thing that's gonna have to be fixed. And I know free safety and strong safety are kind of dying positions, but I think Luisina in kind of a strong safety role fits him very, very well. And I mean, y'all have Kyle Hamilton. Let's let's talk about Kyle Hamilton for a second. Y'all have him both at number one overall, which I was not expecting since y'all were thinking the Jaguars were going to go Evan Neal. Yeah. But, like, what do you think Kyle Hamilton will provide for the Jaguars that any other position won't, or so any other player? For Kyle Hamilton, I don't think would necessarily fit the Jaguars. Oh, yeah. But I think... I, I'm not picking him number one overall, no. but he's my number one overall player. Right. Um, but I think what Hamilton offers is he's essentially an extra linebacker in the box that's playing safety. He's six foot four and he can see everything from his safety spot down to the quarterback the second he receives the ball. When there's play action and the running back gets the ball, Kyle Hamilton is there. So he's good. so fast. He has such amazing instincts. And his ball skills are incredible. He ball tracks like Earl Thomas. Um, He's a build a safety. Like if you had to go into a lab, it's and a like, build a safety. And yeah. like put together the pieces you want. This should be Kyle Hamilton. He's four star recruit. He's been doing this. He came off injury last season, which started to deter some people. But I really think the the way he played before he got hurt shows how good he is. And just turn on the tape. His football IQ is through the roof. His interviews gonna be so good. And. I think it's just the perfect prospect. And if I had to say any generational players in this draft class, I would tell somebody who that asked me that question, there's one. Which I don't like that term, generational I don't like that term because generational to me is like, who's Peyton Manning, who's Tom Brady, who's Ray Lewis. Exactly. Like bona fide Hall of Famers. But what it's kind of become is like coming out of college, who's the best player in the draft, and is there somebody that like blows you away? And to me, back in like 2018, there was only one player, and that was Saquon Barkley, um, which didn't really work out. But coming out of college, he was an amazing talent. I don't think it's necessarily his fault for not working out. It isn't. It isn't. But I think Kyle Hamilton is 
that dude. He's a legit prospect, and he will fit right in with whoever he gets drafted by, which we talked about this earlier. Lovey Smith, a defensive guru, I think would fall in love with him, and I think somebody, uh, him taking Kyle Hamilton at three wouldn't, sh- wouldn't shock me, but also the Giants, I think, is a, a very good fit if they're willing to go uh, stray away from their team needs and take a player that could possibly unlock their defense, and it would prevent them from having to re-sign Jabril Peppers. Yeah. But Kyle Hamilton's our number one guy for a reason, and that is our defensive big board run through. And we'll probably do one to two more of these. Um, yeah, these are these before. are right to change. Like I, oh, I want to change something already. They are they're so going to change. But um, that's our post senior bowl big boards 1.0. Um, so I think that does it. That does it for this episode. I mean, next one up is gonna be a mock draft. I think. Yeah. Um, which will be fun. Post-Super Bowl mock draft. We'll probably spend some time reviewing the Super Bowl. And yeah, then yes. The official order until any possible trades happen will be there. And uh, we'll see you guys after the Rams win the Super Bowl 27-23. to 23. Nope. <laughs> nope. Watch other podcasts to see the uh, what my prediction was. I think it's going to be right. Yeah, I doubt it. Tyler, okay. so since we didn't have you last time, uh-huh. who's going to win the Super Bowl? What's going to be the score? And what... Is the uh, what's the coin gonna say at the beginning of the game? So it's gonna be heads. For <laughs> yes, all. thank Just you. Putting that out there. It's, it's gonna be heads. There's math behind this. The Rams are gonna win it, win the coin toss, but the Bengals are gonna win 27-23. Oh, so wow, he's, he's baiting your uh, score the same way. Taking my score, just inverting it because I don't trust it. Max. So I mean, he's <laughs> lost. He's lost me a lot of money in the past. Yeah, Max is had, <laughs> Max is on a very bad streak right now with with. He is. Uh, okay. And one of my parlays hit last night, so we're, we're coming I'm back. hot right now. <laughs> we're coming back. I walked into Max like, watching the USC basketball game in his room, and it was bad news. Okay. Ooh. Well, listen, the okay, South Carolina-Kentucky bad that beat. That was rough. <laughs> no, that was a bad beat. Uh, That's one of the worst Oscar Tshibway forever owes me money. It's one of the worst beats I've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. He dunked it after the, the, the whistle, too. He was about to jump, too, and then he stopped. That yeah, was bad. That was All right. Without further ado, the pick is always in. We'll see you guys next episode.